Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, joined today again by Dr. Jim Polo. And we've been watching the increase in the use of anti-anxiety and benzodiazepines during quarantine. So with regards to COVID-19, Dr. Polo, this sheltering in place, quarantine, the uncertainty about the economy, a lot of people are asking about antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication, but are benzodiazepines as innocuous as antidepressants? That That's a great question. So, so first of all, um, there are many people that have depression that then also have symptoms of anxiety. There are many people that have anxiety that also have symptoms of depression. So the first thing to understand is that anxiety is both a diagnosis as well as a symptom. Depression is both a diagnosis as well as a symptom. Very complex to understand. There are many, many different types of anxiety disorders, and there are several different types of depressive disorders. And the way that we differentiate the two is we try to think about where do most of the symptoms fall and do they meet all the right criteria for us to say the lead problem that the individual is having is either a depressive disorder, major depression, or an anxiety disorder. And generalized anxiety is is the one that's probably more common than others. Now, from a treatment perspective, anti-anxiety agents, which are Uh, largely the benzodiazepines, those do affect the body in a different way than antidepressants do in terms of decreasing anxiety. They also work by affecting neurotransmitter systems, ironically enough. Um, Here's the challenge though. The benzodiazepines, the, the medications that treat anxiety are in a class of medications that are more likely to potentially cause addiction. They are they in the long run when you when you use antidepressants consistently over time, what generally happens for many of those is they don't work as well over time. So usually with my patients, I will use benzodiazepines when I know that their anxiety is significant. Yeah. I need that relief. But I balance between we don't want this to become habitual because over time they won't be as helpful. Right addicted to them versus the antidepressants. They don't cause addiction. You, you cannot get addicted necessarily to a antidepressant. So there's no withdrawal. There's, they're much safer. Okay. Um, I'll just give you one example, a very common um, uh, um, uh, anti-anxiety agent that, that is sometimes used is Ativan. Okay. Uh, I, I used to tell my patients that Ativan is like a six pack in a pill. Okay. Because you can use some of the benzodiazepines to actually detox folks off of alcohol. Wow. It hits the same receptors in such a way that we can get people off of alcohol, but we have to be very careful that we don't transfer on their addiction from alcohol now to a benzodiazepine. Sure. So they hit some of those same receptors, and by default, they're a little bit more challenging to use. What are your overall thoughts regarding your experience when people are really gung-ho about solutions based on medicine versus other people who say, oh, you should figure this out with counseling or yoga or mindful walking? Where's that balance for you when people should get some medical support versus this other holistic approach? Wow. That is such such an important... uh important question. And I actually went through a period in my life where I was on antidepressant for, for a period of time. I was having some, some difficulties and didn't have the right motivation, didn't have the right energy, and I needed antidepressant. It was very helpful to me. Okay. Um, 
And it goes back to what I said something a little bit earlier uh, during this segment. At the end of the day, medications, antidepressants, and anti-anxieties agents don't change the way that we think. And the reason why that is so important to kind of remember is that when we're struggling with depressive symptoms or with anxious type symptoms, it's usually as a result to something that we're experiencing, a situation that didn't turn out well, a relationship that fell apart, a financial struggle that is, is frightening. Mm-hmm. And as humans, we have to think about how do we handle the world around us? What are the things that we do control? What are the things that we don't control? How do we adapt and how do we handle it so that we can struggle through whatever that you know difficulty happens to be in front of us? Now, medications can help with some of those symptoms, but they don't fix the situation mm. and they don't necessarily change the situation. What actually I think at the end of the day as humans we need to do is, hey, life has dealt me certain sets of circumstances. How do I best deal with those? What are the things that I can do to get through it? Where do I need help from others? Because we all need help from other people. And how can I understand this situation so that it doesn't overwhelm me and allows me to still do the other things that I need to do? So I believe strongly that counseling is the primary thing that I look for to help people. How do I help people understand themselves, understand their situation, decide what's important for themselves, and then move in a direction of having control over that? The balance is that sometimes folks are affected enough that we do have medications that clearly do demonstrate that they will help how your body feels and how you feel. And I think it's, it's not always a good thing to withhold that when it will be helpful to somebody. The challenge is I think that some people have fallen into the trap of thinking, well, if I take a medication and my body feels better, I don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't need right. to worry. And so if you're not going through that growth of handling whatever the emotional difficulty was not likely to change the way you think. You know, anecdotally, I've heard a lot of people being put on a certain antidepressant and then it loses its effectiveness after a couple of years, or maybe they didn't take time to develop the skills to change their thinking. Who knows? But whatever it is, you don't want to run into that issue where you have to keep increasing dosage or go on multiple drugs to try to help out. Is a light touch crucial during this kind of treatment? Absolutely. And I'll be honest and share my personal experience. You know, I I shared earlier on a different segment that, you know, I went through a very dark period in my life when my daughter was having significant difficulties. And those difficulties in her affected how I was feeling. Sure. Those difficulties made me feel inadequate as a father. Those difficulties made me feel like I wasn't doing the right thing. I was somehow at fault. Mm -hmm. And those personal, you know, symptoms began to really kind of affect me. Um, I had to seek out help and I took antidepressants for a while so that I could physically feel better. But the process that really helped me was beginning to recognize and understand, hey, first of all, you know, my job is not to control my child. My job is to raise my child so that she will be in charge of her own life. And I have to be very careful to not accept credit for all the bad things that she's done at the same time that I can't take credit for all the good things that she's done. So I had to learn how I needed to think about her challenges in a context that was different than what I had been thinking about beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I was not only able to understand my daughter's drug difficulties better, I was able to make sure that I recognized, hey, these are her issues. I can be loving and supportive. I can't necessarily control the choices she's going to make. And I don't have to feel like it's my fault anymore. 
Yeah. Medication was short term. It helped me have energy so I could go to work. It helped me get more focused so that I could, you know, get back to work. Uh, but what really helped me, and I was a psychiatrist, was help from another psychiatrist. Who said, Jim, you're being too hard on yourself. Dr. Polo, talk to me about your own experience of stepping down safely from these medications. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what happened in my case is that, first of all, I began to realize, hey, first of all, the situation's not me. Second of all, as I shared, I realized, hey, I'm not the only one struggling. So, you know, I was able to get a, over a little bit of my own stigma. And as I began to separate what were my feelings versus my child's problem, I actually started feeling better. I mm. was more motivated. I was feeling energized to, to jump into work. And in fact, I remembered that one of the things that was happening was I would occasionally forget to take medicine. It was a once a day medication in the morning. Uh, happened to be Prozac. And I was forgetting occasionally to take it. So finally, I, I just told my doctor, I said, you know, I'm beginning to think I might not need this anymore. And now I realize when patients come to me um, and they say they don't need their medicine, I should think differently about how I <laughs> you should listen. <laughs> he said, well, let's give it a go. Let's, let's stop. Now, with this particular medicine, Prozac, at the dose that I was taking, the way to stop it is you just stop it. Wow. It actually has a very long half-life. So it doesn't come out of your body in one day. It actually winds down very slowly. And he reminded me which symptoms might get a little worse again, what might occur, these would be normal. And we also talked about, well, what are the kinds of things that would make us think maybe it was too soon? You know, hey, I'm getting a little obsessive or I'm getting a little bit, you know, uh, moody. And maybe that means it was a little bit too early. I, I didn't have that experience. I, I came out the medicine and actually I, I really felt good. I didn't, oh, I didn't have any resurgence. But the reason why I share that is that when I have a patient that either I'm noticing hey, you're really getting back to what I think is your baseline. Are you feeling that? And if that's the case, I will often suggest, well, we need to think about when might be a good time for you to come off. Now, we generally recommend for folks that have gone through a period of depression that we want to maintain them on an antidepressant for a while after they reach baseline. So we don't like hit baseline and stop right away. We right. want to get past that for a while. Um, and I, I, really, I really defer to giving patients a, a, a good ownership of that decision. Sometimes they're a little anxious about coming off. Sometimes they're very desirous of coming off as soon as possible. So I try to give advice that still allows them to be in control and then guiding them about, okay, let's talk about ahead of time. What are the things that would make you think you want to go back off? What are the things that if they occur, you're going to continue through with that so that we kind of make a plan ahead of time rather oh, than very waiting smart. for something to happen. So briefly, we're going to pick it up in another discussion, but this new trend of people getting a genetic test to assure them one way or the other about which medication they should take. Again, briefly, do you think those tests are reliable and do you suggest it for your patients? Um, so I'm glad that you want it to be brief and we can pick it up because it's a big discussion. Yeah. Um, we are doing a lot of research in the genetic and genomic arenas to really understand how the body works. Um, and there are some tests out there that are very good at giving us information that we can use. When it comes to emotional and mental health, uh, a lot of the genetic tests that are currently being looked at are all about trying to understand if an individual's chemistry, their body's chemistry, will be likely or not likely to respond well to a particular medication. Right. So we can do a better job of selection. Here's the challenge. Very expensive to do all that and sometimes not worth the expense. Sometimes just trying a medication 
is better. Mm-hmm. It's quicker for sure. Uh, the other thing is it's not foolproof yet. So a lot of those tests, although they may seem to give us information, we're not totally sure if it's really accurate information that is helpful. So, you know, I expect that to be a huge area of continued research. Yeah. Um, but I think at the moment, it's a little bit hard to say that there's anything out there right now that is foolproof. Hey, get this test and this test will tell you exactly what you have and also exactly what medication you should take. That, oh, that is, Dr. Polo, as always, it is so wonderful to speak with you. I, I'm passionate about this and yeah. it's my life's work. Um, so I, I love talking about this, but talking about it in a way that makes it understandable for people. Because, you know, mental health has been kind of shrouded in this mystery and this stigma. And I, and I think it's time that we really kind of take take that off. You've been listening to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've liked what you've heard, please give us a thumbs up wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also email me at sheila.hamilton at beyondwellsolutions.com. Mm-hmm.